0: Same Soul Productions presents Venice. Our pacing in this tour may be different than your pacing in real life. Feel free to pause as needed to rewind or fast forward. We won't be offended, I promise. St. Mark's Basilica. Venice may be one of my favorite cities, but St. Mark's Basilica is pretty easily my second favorite church. The Haggis, if he currently holds my top spot. Start by standing in front of the church, facing it head-on. To look at it, St. Mark's is busy and scattered, without any real unifying element. The arches that are over the doors are in a Roman style, and the column besides them are Greek. The mosaic over the doors are in the Byzantine style, and the Gothic pinnacles above them are French. Topping all of this are the onion domes of the Near Eastern Muslim world. The church is a complete mashup of the hits from across the Mediterranean world, but it's the kind that only the Venetians could pull off because only they were everywhere in the Mediterranean. And that's what I love. It's not unified in the way that most Renaissance Italian cathedrals are. The Duomo in Florence or St. Peter's in Rome both have grand visions that tie it all together. St. Mark's is a bunch of stolen styles melded together. It fits for a church literally built on the stolen bones of a saint. Now, head to the leftmost of the five front doors. Look up into the arch at the gold mosaic on the ceiling. You should see two dudes with fancy staff standing in the middle who are carrying a body. This is the story of how Saint Mark became the patron saint of Venice. As I'm sure you know, Mark was the writer of the Gospel of Mark. He died and was buried in Alexandria, back when Egypt was still part of the Roman Empire. 700 years later, though, in 828, Egypt was part of the Abbasid Empire, and the Muslims in Alexandria weren't super hot about Christians. So, two upstanding Venetian merchants decided that they would give old Mark a hand by taking his bones from the church where he was originally buried and bringing him back to Venice. They put his bones in a pork barrel, which was unclean in Muslim culture, just to make sure that nobody would look too hard at it. They sailed on back to Venice and gave the now bacon-infused bones to the doge. And that's the scene you have above you. That's when Mark became the city's hero, and they started plastering his winged lion on everything they could get their hands on. What's interesting is that the bones aren't delivered to the pope or any religious authority, but regular to the secular doge. He's the guy in the mosaic with a cool white collar, kind of off to the right. I also think it's funny that they're standing in front of this anachronistic St. Mark's Basilica, because the church that's pictured, the one that's also right in front of you, wasn't built for 250 years after they originally brought the bones. They did, however, build a church here in 829 when the bones first showed up, but it was a much more simple church. In 1063, the church was greatly expanded and turned into what you see today. One more thing to look at outside before you get into the long line to head in. Above the center door, you can see four bronze horses. These horses were looted from Constantinople during that disastrous Fourth Crusade in 1204. Obviously, the Venetians were pretty proud of their loot, and it fits right in with everything else that they, let's say, liberated during their time on the top of the Mediterranean heap leading some to joke that the building is designed in the early ransack style. Alright, you can go get in line to go inside now. It's pretty dark inside, and they often have various sections closed off for restoration, so be ready to do some pausing. If there's anything you can't find inside, just use your imagination. The general impression of the interior is almost as important as anything else. And since you're going to be standing around, I'll give you a couple more things to kill some time. First of all, Is St. Mark's a church, a cathedral, or a basilica? In fact, it's actually all three. Obviously, it's a church, but it's also a cathedral because it's the home church of the local bishop. It's also a basilica because the pope said so, and it's also a basilica in the architectural sense because it has a central nave with flanking aisles, just like the ancient Roman basilicas. One more thing while you have some time to kill in line. The reason I love this building so much may be one of the reasons that my third cousin five times removed complained about it, a man best known by his pseudonym Mark Twain. Twain once wrote of St. Mark's, saying, quote, "'One lingers about the cathedral a good deal in Venice. There's a strong fascination about it, partly because it's so old and partly because it's so ugly, for its details are masterfully ugly.' No misplaced and impertinent beauties are intruded anywhere, and the consequence result is a grand harmonious whole of soothing, entrancing, tranquilizing, soul-satisfying ugliness. One's admiration of a perfect thing always grows, never declines, and this is the surest evidence to him that it is perfect. St. Mark's is perfect. To me, it soon grew to be so nobly, so augustly ugly, that it was difficult to stay away from it, even for a little while. Every time its squat domes disappeared from my view, I had a despondent feeling. Whenever they reappeared, I felt an honest rapture. I have not known any happier hours than those days I spent looking across the great square at it. Propped on its long row of low thick-legged columns, its back knobbed with domes, it seemed like a vast warty bug taking a meditative walk I don't I don't know what that accent was, but I felt like I should do a Mark Twain accent and I think I probably changed accents in the middle of it. I apologize. okay anyway, with that low point, now it's time to pause until you get inside the first set of doors. Yeah, yeah, so- Welcome to the inside of St. Mark's Basilica. There's a lot going on and at this point you shouldn't even be all the way inside the church. Basically, any church you go to is gonna have either stained glass or mosaics with Bible stories on them. Look at the arch over where they have the audio guide booth. Obviously, you don't need any of those because you've got me. Now, in the archway, not the dome, you'll see the story of Noah. You can see him and his sons cutting logs, building the ark, floating on the water, releasing the dove, the whole thing. If you were a medieval peasant, you wouldn't be able to read. You would, however, be able to read these pictures and understand their stories. That always gives me an appreciation for all this art that often gets overlooked in churches. It seems very not important, but this would have been the most important to the common Christian. All right, you can head the rest of the way in now. They move the entrance all the time, but eventually you're going to end up inside one way or the other. As you enter, let your eyes adjust. As mentioned, it's relatively dark in here since the Venetians weren't as big on stained glass as the rest of Italy was. Instead, they used mosaics. Take in all 5,000 square yards of them. Made in the Byzantine style by Renaissance Italians, that's almost enough tile to cover an entire professional soccer field. Even the floors have mosaics. Some are geometric patterns, and others are more detailed. There's some peacocks on the floor, which are hands down my favorite floor work anywhere because peacocks got to fly. I am a peacock! You've got to let me fly! You may also notice that the floor isn't really level. As the sea rises and falls, the ground beneath the church is moved, and so has the floor, creating a sorts of waves along the ground of the church. Above the chairs in this center section is a chandelier, which connects all the way up to a central dome that depicts one of the church's most famous scenes. Though it kind of looks like an early design for the Death Star's main laser, it's actually depicting Pentecost. At the center is a dove, representing the Holy Spirit, who is firing those lasers back out at the Twelve Apostles, who have tongues of fires on their head. They all seem pretty chill about it, which is how most Byzantine icons are depicted, along with halos and almond eyes. The very simple figures found here are also the result of the iconoclasm the Byzantine Empire had been dealing with. To understand the art in this church, it's important to have some context about Byzantine art and iconoclasm. Now, obviously, one of the Ten Commandments is not to worship graven images. Some people, particularly in the eastern part of the Christian world, took this to mean that you couldn't physically represent anything deemed holy. A view shared by and perhaps borrowed from the Muslim world. In the early 700s and mid-800s, the Byzantine Empire went through two rounds of iconoclasm, or wars on icons. During this period, lots of early Christian art was defaced, if not outright destroyed. Even after these periods, images were kept simple to avoid towing this line. When St. Mark's was built, the Venetians still had pretty close ties to the Byzantine Empire. And this was still pretty recent history and affected the way that the art was displayed here. As you walk around the center, you'll notice there are five domes, one central, and one at each of the ends of the arms of the church, forming a Greek cross. Unlike the Latin cross, which has this longer base, the Greek cross is shaped more like an X or a plus sign with four equal sides. While the design is rarely used in Western Christianity, it's almost universal in Eastern Christianity. This is another element that makes this church fairly unique among Catholic churches. If you move forward towards the center of the church and look up towards the central dome, you can see the ascension of the resurrected Christ. Here, Jesus is riding a rainbow up to heaven. And while most Catholic churches focus on a dead Jesus in a sense of shame and sin, this one depicts the glory and the power of Jesus. Below him are the apostles and Mary. From them descend the virtues which fill the space between the windows. At each of the four corners of this dome are one of the four gospel writers. At ground level to the right is a pulpit where the doge would deliver prayers and give morning announcements. If you look to the right of the main altar, on the south side of the building, you can see a door that goes directly into the doge's living quarters in his palace. If you walk toward that door and then turn right again so that you're facing the direction of the front door, you can see another mural that tells a fun story about the building of the basilica. So... When they tore down the old church, they hid the bones of St. Mark. Now, the building of the new church took a few decades, and when it came time to consecrate the new construction, apparently everyone had forgotten where they stored Mark's bones. Everybody got together to pray, when suddenly the doge was inspired to look inside a hollow column. He was ecstatic to find the bones of St. Mark were hidden in the column. Who decided to put them there? I don't know. There's a treasury with some pretty amazing stuff back there, if you believe in relics and really old stuff, uh, but you have to pay to see that. You can also see the high altar up close. It's covered in precious gems that the Venetians looted. It's pretty gorgeous. Um, Also, the, the bones of Saint Mark were put back there after they took them out of that column. But again, that section costs extra. There's also a museum that's by the front doors. It's upstairs, but uh, guess what? It costs extra. I will say this, the original four horses from outside, um, they're actually up in this museum. The ones out front are a copy. And I will share a fun fact about those horses before I finish. So the horses are made of bronze, but were originally gilded with gold and their eyes were set rubies. Legend says that they were built during the reign of Alexander the Great, which would be about the 4th century BC, taken by Nero to Rome in the 1st century AD, then taken by Constantine to the new Roman capital of Constantinople in the 4th century AD. They lived there in Constantinople until the Venetians looted them during the 4th Crusade. But you know what they say about those who lived by the sword, and Napoleon snagged them when he led his own crusade and took the horses back to Paris. There they stayed until the empire met its end and they were returned again to Venice. They lived outside until the 1970s when pollution began to damage them and replacements took their spot. So now you can decide if it's worth the nominal fee to check out those other spots, but this is where I'm going to stop. All I can say is...